Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Did you know there's over 3 billion people who have very limited or no access to Jesus and his good news? Reaching these people today, it it comes with, with many challenges. Now, there is a group of a special group of people, we can call them missionary technologists, they devote their life to creating and distributing tech that can help bring the word of life, the, the gospel, the, the story of God to these unreached people. And so today, uh, there, there's kind of two, two main things that I want to focus on. Um, I would like to raise awareness about modern missionary technologists along with this mission story from Acts chapter 17. Because both the ancient story and and this modern example, both examples reveal this missionary impulse, this missionary impulse to to go into a context, a subculture, and then from the inside out present the good news of of Jesus Christ. Okay, Both examples show this inside-out approach. Now, when I say inside-out, I want to make sure you, you know what I mean. So I want you to think of a kitchen. Uh, if, you, if, I, if I wanted to engage with you on a culinary level, I could bring in my own equipment. Um, I could uh, bring my own recipes, my own ingredients, my own methods, all of that, right? Um, and then try to cook with you by bringing all of my own stuff. Okay, that's, that's like an outside-in approach. <coughs> or... I could just simply go into your kitchen and just simply learn from you. Learn how you store food. How do you prepare food? Learn about the ingredients you use, the spices you use. Learn the ways of your, your kitchen. And then once I learn the ways of your, your kitchen, how, how you cook, while still honoring all of that, I could start to cook too. And I could start implementing good news recipes, right? That, that's what it means to live, uh, to, to, to do this inside-out approach. And so nearly 2,000 2, years separate Act 17 and what modern missionary technologists are doing today. But they both demonstrate this, that, that we need to go into a context, okay? Uh, that The church is still very much interested in spreading the good news of Jesus, and sure, if technology helps us to do that, then, then let's discern and, and use it. Throughout church history, we have been using technology to bring Jesus to the nations, especially over the last 500 years, okay? We've been using more and more technology to, to spread the good news of Jesus, to let the world know, to let the nations know. I mean, if you think about it, like the printing press, that was cutting-edge technology at one point. Uh, steamboats, telegrams, trains, radio, televisions, and so on. All of these things uh, we, we have used over the years. A century ago, uh, there was a minister named Charles Fuller. You might know that name. Fuller Seminary is, is named after him. He had a, a radio program called the Old Fashioned Revival Hour. Okay, Billy Graham dabbled in radio, and then eventually got into television. He had television programs. Today, there's a great number of religious podcasts that definitely carve out a chunk 
of podcast library. And so as I said, there's over 3 billion, 3 billion people who have very limited or no access to the good news of Jesus. To get a little bit technical, that's over 7,400 ethno-linguistic people groups. Over 7,400 people groups are still considered unreached. They primarily live, they, they live in places where, like, you know, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism is like the primary religion. And these regions are some of the poorest regions in the world, just to give you some context. Just like you and I, they need Jesus. They need somebody to tell them the story, to tell them the good news. They need somebody to tell them the story in their own language. In Acts 17, there's a mission trip story. By the way, my parents are on a mission trip right now in in West Virginia. You can pray for them. That's a quick side note. In Acts 17, there's a mission trip story. Paul is on what we call, what yeah, it's the second missionary journey of, of Paul's. He, he's traveling with Silas and a few other companions, and they come to the city of Thessalonica, which is the largest city in the region of, of Macedonia. And so Paul's goal is this. He is a missionary. He's, he's a traveling preacher, theologian. His goal is to bring the gospel to this whole entire big, bustling city of Thessalonica. As a missionary, he had a method. He had a tactic, okay? He needs to find a group of people who are going to receive him, uh, some sort of uh, connection here. He needs to find people who will welcome him, all right? Paul is Jewish, and that's, that's what he, he uses. He's like, you know what? I need to go find, in this big city, I need to find this religious minority group of Jews. And that's what he does. He, needed, he needs to find a place to start. And so in this big Macedonian city, he, falls, he, he, he finds the group of Jewish folks. They have a synagogue there. And Paul has this inside-out approach. His missional impulse takes him into this subculture. He goes into the synagogue, which is the gathering place of the Jews, now notice, he's not trying to church plant next to the synagogue and then try to convert people over. He goes into the synagogue context. Okay? He spends about three days there. I think that means about, or three Sabbath days. I think that means about three weeks he spent there. He probably would have preached in the marketplace and gone to other places throughout the city. But for three Sabbath days, he's in the synagogue and he's, he's speaking to them. Inside the synagogue, he he takes the scriptures, what we call the Old Testament today, but he takes these these scriptures and he reasons them out. He discusses the holy writings. He he expounded on them. He's interpreting scripture. What is he doing? He's he's showing how the, the Old Testament points to Jesus. Paul is opening up the text to these Jews. And by using the scriptures, he's revealing Jesus. He's, he's explaining what happened on Good Friday, what, what happened on Easter morning. He is explaining that with these Old Testament scriptures. We don't know what scriptures he was pulling from. 
It would be wonderful to know that information. But what we need to know is this. He opened up the meaning to them. He's showing why it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead. And why this Jesus is the Messiah. Israel's hero. The kingly anointed one that is all that is that the Old Testament has been talking about. He was here. He tabernacled, tabernacled amongst us. He, he died. He rose from the grave. Paul is explaining all of that. Resurrection is a reality in this world. New creation is here. There is hope. Jesus put an end to the power of death. Now, some Jews were persuaded by this. And they decided to associate with Paul and Silas. Okay? They decided to be on Team Jesus. And then it also says that a large number of, of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women joined in as well. Now, I personally just like this, this uh, expression of, of like evangelism or kind of just like what it looks like. In the Greek, a, a figure of speech is actually used. In this translation, they just simply translate it as they joined Paul. Okay, But in the Greek, it says that they, they cast their lot in with Paul and Silas. Okay? And I don't know if that's like a, almost like a gambling metaphor. Like, like they toss their chips or they toss their hat. They, they cast their lots with, with Paul and Silas. It's like we, we want to hang out with our, our neighbors and we, we want them to cast their lots with us. Like, yeah, like come in. Yeah, come hang out with us. Let's, let's do this. They decided to throw in their lot with Paul and Silas. But then, as the narrative keeps going, there's trouble. Other Jews became jealous, righteously indignant. They were upset with the message of Jesus. They were upset with what Paul and Silas were, were doing. And we could explore here, you know, they're, they're the chosen people. You're like, yeah, they're scattered right now. Jews aren't originally from Thessalonica, okay? Like, they are scattered, but they're the chosen ones. They're, they're the remnant. They have an identity, and, and this Jesus story is messing things up, and what's going on, and like, what do you mean God, like, God loves, and you know, it's like, so there's space to talk about that. We, we won't, but this is what they do. They joined forces with questionable characters. This is what fear and trying to stay in control does to people. They were willing to hook up with bad apples from the marketplace. They, they, they formed a mob. They, they fabricated a riot in the city. And they tried to convince the city that Paul and this Jesus gang, these Jesus people, they're turning the world upside down. They're defying Caesar's decrees. They're saying that there's another king. There's this, this guy called Jesus. And here's the thing. The jealous Jews, they're not wrong. It's a nuanced conversation, but, but yes, they are right. To say Jesus is Lord is to say Caesar is not. This is the truth. The gospel, the life-giving word, it will bring opposition. It will. 
And one theologian points out, as I was reading, when we come to a new life in Jesus, Caesar emerges as a counterfeit. A counterfeit to the rival of the lordship of God in the person of Christ. And so Paul and Silas, they they couldn't stay in Thessalonica that long. They had to bounce. And they were able to move on to the city of, of Berea. And once again, Paul looks for the synagogue. He goes in to the synagogue, inside out approach. And we're told that the Bereans, compared to the Thessalonians, they had a generous spirit. They, they had noble character. They received Paul. They received Paul's message with great eagerness. And they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Verse 12 says, as a result, many of them believed they're placing their, their faith, their trust in Jesus, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. And so perhaps you're already noticing this. What I, you know, what I like about it, perhaps what you like about this little story, is that they were open-minded. We love that. They wanted to get hands-on with examining scriptures. Okay, not many people could read back in this time period. So most likely this was a communal experience, reading scripture together, explaining it, hashing things out, asking questions. Paul put the scriptures in their hands and he opened up the text to them. And we don't want to forget the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that brings that illumination there. But it sure sounds like the Bereans were hungry. They were hungry. And guess what? Today, there are many, many people who are hungry for the gospel. Who are they? How do we find them? Where are they? How do we reach them? So as stated, there's a lot of people who have little or no access to Jesus and the gospel. Why? Well, as missionary D.B. Brown explains, it could be surveillance, war, political or religious tensions geographic, isolation, and more. Many reasons why it's, it's hard to, to reach them. Now, if you ask a missionary, they would probably say, okay, the ideal form of communication is face-to-face. I want to go to these people, and I want to be able to communicate the gospel. Okay, Go into a context, embody the message, translate the message in that context, plan a church, But the ideal doesn't always play out. And this is where missionary technologists come into play. Think about the phone that's in your your pocket right now and how advanced it is. Tablets, right? Smartphones and tablets, just how advanced they're becoming. Today, we live in a world where 65% of people do have internet access. And probably within... A decade, if I could be a futurist here, like probably within a reasonable amount of time, because of satellites and things like that, the whole world will have internet access. But here's the catch. Usually, the primary goal of when we make technology, like let's say an app, an application, when we build an app, the primary goal is to reach a lot of people. If you're going to spend time and resources, and money, energy, engineering, and app, you're probably thinking, you know what, like, 
let's, let's do like a one-size-fits-all or one-size-fits-many approach, okay? Let's build a really cool Bible app, and then we'll try to force it on all these 7,400 ethno-linguistic people groups. Maybe we can find trade language. We'll, we'll try to maybe find something that kind of works on that a little bit. That is outside-in thinking, and that's, that's not where missionary technologists are at. Here's the thing. Outside-in approaches will probably struggle at fully addressing a community's deepest needs. These are real people with real questions. And they want to explain the good news in the best way for each community. God wants to be known in every heart language of every person. God wants to commune with them. There's some, you know, just for lack of better words, some random village far away from here right now, a small group of people, they have their own like little tribal language. God wants to be known in their heart language. And he wants to commune with them. And this is where missionary technologists come into play. They, they have a missional impulse. They, in the flavors of Paul, they, they, they want to go into a subculture. They want to work with the people. They want to find who, who's going to receive them. They, they want to try to create and distribute content from within that culture. And there's some big obstacles to church. I just want you to be aware of there's these unreached people groups. One of the challenges is that they, they live, uh, they, they are oral-based cultures. Okay? It doesn't mean that they can't read. It just means that they prefer to learn by listening. Okay? Don't give them a, a daily bread in their own language. No, tell them a good story. Right? In some regions, Christianity is illegal. And so... They're working on technology, perhaps, that can build security features that, that help protect. Some folks don't have regular internet access, electricity, all of that. There's other tech gaps. But still, the field of missionary tech is on the move. And they want to have an inside-out approach. They want to go into every culture. They want to see the needs. They want to Ask those real questions from real people. They want to create content and come up with distribution strategies. And the news from the cutting edge is this. They're working on what is called shared code base. This is beyond my wheelhouse, okay? If I understand it right, from the inside of a culture, what they're working on. They're, they're, they're learning how to build context-specific context applications, without completely starting from scratch, okay? They can create content that looks and feels local to the target audience. So what is the connection? What is the connection between what Paul was up to in Macedonia and what missionary technologists are trying to do today? It's this, okay? The scriptures still need to be opened up to the nations. The scriptures still need to be opened up to the nations. The gospel, the story of God, that, that God wants to commune with people, and he's, 
he's on a mission to restore that communion that, that he sent his son in love. Like, like the people of this world need to hear this story. The story of God needs to be opened up to the nations. The gospel that was promised through the pages of the Old Testament, Jesus through the Holy Spirit was, uh, was shown to be the Son of God and he, he, he was raised from the dead. He is our Messiah. He's Lord. He's King. And he's reconciling all things to himself. And so we want to keep proclaiming this gospel. We want to keep opening up the word of life. We don't just do this for fun. Okay? This isn't just a thing we do. Heart change is real. Transformation is real. The gospel is real. Being set free from sin is real. Being set free from death is is real. This is our Christian faith. This is our hope. And so for now, simply, I just wanted to raise awareness around mission technology. I wanted to bring it to your attention. Because when we raise awareness, when we... When, when something grabs our attention, that starts to remove the blinders off so that we can see a little bit better. And so maybe God is calling you to just receive this information and tuck it away. Maybe God is calling you to invest in this or to learn more. Maybe he's actually calling you to go to school and learn computer programming. Maybe. Reaching people with the good news of Jesus, it comes with many challenges. But I believe there's a missionary impulse inside each one of you. I believe that. And I think one of the best ways to discover or rediscover that impulse, it is to go to the scriptures. This isn't just a read your Bible kind of sermon. No, it's the Holy Word of God. Fall in love with the story of God. What he's doing. So I want, I want to challenge you to, to be a, a missionary to your own heart. To, to keep opening up and laying out the scriptures. Examine them. And take Jesus with you. From the inside out, let him change you. And somebody just sent this in a text message the other day. And I'm like, I just have to pass it along. It's these two little nuggets. Church doesn't just send missionaries. The church is the missionary, which implies all of us, all of us must be activated to engage in the scriptures. All of us must be activated with what God is doing in Plymouth Meeting, in Norristown, in Conshohocken, in Montgomery County, in Pennsylvania, and so on. So I want to encourage you to, to open up the scriptures. Be a missionary to your own heart from the inside out. Let Jesus change you. I also want to challenge you to be a missionary to a small group in community. Interrogate the scriptures. And I mean that in the best possible way. Interrogate the scriptures and search for the hope and good news that's in the Bible. Reflect upon the word. Share about what God is up to in your life. Share that in community, how God is changing you. Share your hurts and your pain and your questions and your your hopes and your joys and your peace. If if you can't make any of our small groups that we have in the life of this church, well, let's 
Let's start one. Let's let's find a pocket of time. Let's let's find something for you. I can like come to me. Let me help you start a group. Hey, let's just read read some proverbs and talk about it. Forty five minutes to an hour on a regular basis. I also want you to think, has something recently popped out at you as you've read scripture? Do you struggle with reading the Bible? What are those barriers? How can you make space in your own life? Starting this week, how can you make space in your own life to open up the word? Word of God is living, it's active. And another way to rediscover missionary impulse is perhaps through the communion meal. Because the meal is an opportunity where we get to demonstrate this, we get to reenact the Last Supper. We, we have this opportunity in a couple minutes here to turn away from counterfeits. There's exterior counterfeits that we face all the time. They beg for our attention. But there's internal counterfeits too, right? There's internal counterfeits that need to go as well. And communion time, when we come to the table, communion is this opportunity to protest those counterfeits, to resist against those counterfeits, okay? Together. We can be re-persuaded. We can be reminded that we have thrown in our lot with Jesus. And so together, we come to the table. Together, we remember the new reality that we live in. Together, we remember the sufferings and death of Jesus Christ. In faith, in a spiritual manner, we partake in the body and the blood of Christ. The table, the broken bread, drinking the cup is a way to express our Christian faith and hope. Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not.